ดีค่ะยินดีต้อนรับเข้าสู่ b a n g k o k Off Stage Podcast Thai a n g r i d รายการแรกที่จะพาไปเจาะลึกแวดวงศิลปะการแสดงในกรุงเทพ Hello and welcome to the Bangkok Off Stage Podcast the first bilingual podcast on the Bangkok performing arts scene I'm Gelba and I'm Amitha สำหรับเอพิโซดนี้เราได้มาพูดคุยกับผู้กำกับไทยอเมริกันนานาเดคินนะคะซึ่งเธอก็เป็นหนึ่งในสมาชิกของ b f l o r Theater แล้วก็มีผลงานกำกับร่วมกับคณะอย่างเช่นเรื่อง Begin Again, Damage Joy และ Survival Games ค่ะปัจจุบันเธอใช้ชีวิตและทำงานอยู่ที่กรุงนิวยอร์กประเทศสหรัฐอเมริกาเมื่อกลางปีที่ผ่านมานะคะเธอมีผลงานกำกับละครเรื่อง White Pearl ที่โรงละคร Royal Court ในกรุงลอนดอนประเทศอังกฤษและในเอพิโซดนี้เราก็จะมาพูดคุยกับเธอถึงประสบการณ์การเป็นศิลปินในไทยและอเมริกานะคะแล้วก็การกลับมาของการแสดงเรื่องดาเมจจอยซึ่งเป็นโชว์เปิดเทศกาลบายแพมอีกด้วยค่ะเราต้องแจ้งกับท่านผู้ชมนิดนึงก่อนนะคะว่าเนื่องจากตี้ได้ทำออดิโอแทร็กเสียงของแขกรับเชิญหายระหว่างกระบวนการย้ายและแบ็กอัพไฟล์คุณภาพเสียงจะไม่ดีเท่าที่ควรนะคะต้องขออภัยด้วยความจริงใจเลยนะคะกับแขกรับเชิญคุณนานาและท่านผู้ฟังด้วยนะคะ In this episode we speak to Thai American director Nana Jaikin As a member of B Floor Theater, she directed Begin Again, Damage Joy, and Survival Games. She's currently living and working in New York City. Earlier this year, she directed White Pearl at the Royal Court in London. Here, we talk to Nana about being an artist in Thailand and in the U.S. and the return of her show Damage Joy, which opens the Bangkok International Performing Arts Meeting or BIPAM. Just a quick note before we begin: I lost an audio track in the process of uploading, downloading, and backing up files, so. The sound quality is not as good as, as it should be, so my sincerest apologies to our guest Nana and our listeners. Episode this will be in English. This episode is in English. Hello, Nana. Welcome to Bangkok. Welcome <laughs> back to Bangkok. <laughs> Welcome to Bangkok. When was the last time you were here? I was here uh, last year in July. Wow. But before that, I was when I was here in July. It was just for um, just under two weeks. Mm-hmm. But before that, I haven't been back since I went to grad school in 2015. Mm. Um, let's go back a bit because just in case no one, you know, some people have not seen Damage Joy, which was mm-hmm. 2011, mm. eight, almost 10 years ago. Ele- yeah, wait, eight, eight years, years ago. ago. Can you give us a bit of context? Of what? Ha- why did you create Damage Joy? Mm-hmm. Under which context? Um, yes. Yeah, so Damage Joy originally came about um, a year after the violent protests that had happened in May mm-hmm. in 2010. At that time, what was happening was that there were um, a lot of red shirts who had come to the um, intersection where um, Central World, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, where Central World is, mm. and it was really. I remember at that time just sort of following the way that people were talking about Mm -hmm. the protesters. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I was actually kind of shocked by was that I, some people were saying on Facebook, um, I wish they would just die. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're they're in the way, they're annoying, they should just die. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's... Yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, on social media, and mm-hmm. I thought, like, well, that's pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and so I think that was a little shocking to me about just thinking about like how easily people could just and people that. you knew or or I, mo- people who are more like public figures or I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. who 
said it. I just remember my memory of it is just like of experiencing hearing it Mm -hmm. or reading it or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that got me thinking about just like what is our uh, our tolerance for violence Mm -hmm. and sort of appetite, human appetite for violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, I had been thinking for some time about this. about this idea of damaged joy, mm-hmm. which is uh, which I had first heard about from a German-speaking friend who mm-hmm. was talking to me. Actually, damaged joy is a direct translation of the word um, Schadenfreude, which he was telling me. He was saying like this word is so interesting. It's a very specific word in German mm-hmm. for the specific kind of delight that you mm-hmm. feel when you watch somebody else get hurt mm-hmm. or yeah suffer yeah. in yes. some way or another mm-hmm. um, and so and that's something that just really I was thinking about and struck by and so I think those two ideas really came together um, in terms of for uh, creating damage joy I'm mm-hmm. interested in the idea of like what does it mean to uh, what is the specific limit that each person has mm-hmm. for enjoying watching somebody else be hurt or mm-hmm. humiliated mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens uh in that moment. So essentially in the show in Damage Joy, um, the audience is invited into a sort of a satirical clown world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Tim Burton-esque. Um, <laughs> it was like this dark, uh, a little bit weird clown world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're given red flags when they come in. Mm-hmm. And the flags have the word stop on them. Mm-hmm. And it's explained to the audience before the show starts that if they see anything on stage that they don't agree with or that they want to stop, they can wave their flag. Mm-hmm. But the action on stage will only stop if everybody in the theater waves their flags at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's like the play won't stop, but whatever scene is happening at that time will stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's it. That's the direction that they're given. And then... Uh, the show begins. Mm -hmm. So really the idea for me was about giving the audience a chance to know that they have, they actually have the power to stop something Mm -hmm. if they don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. But then I think part of the other, so then it becomes like a twofold question. Is One is like, do I have a problem Mm -hmm. with what is being performed on stage? Mm -hmm. Maybe yes, maybe no. If I do, am I going to raise my flag Mm -hmm. and wave it? And then even if I do, Will there be other enough other people who raise their flags mm-hmm. as well to stop the action? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these, I think, were events that I wanted to take place in the course of watching Damage Joy mm-hmm. for people to really think about the kind of agency that they have as audience members and also as um, members of society mm-hmm. to think about what it means to respond to the hurt and humiliation and violence that is happening to others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and how it's possible to put, try and put a stop to things. Right. So Upe, um, the artistic director of BIPAM, approached you mm-hmm. to um, revive the show, right? Yes. To, to, to revisit the show. Mm-hmm. Do you think, did you say yes right away? Or do you feel like, should I revisit it? Do I want to revisit it? I definitely had some... Uh, Concerns. I mean, I mean, I think my first initial reaction was definitely like, "Yeah, sure, I'd love to." Mm-hmm. Um, and then immediately followed by, "Wait, is this still relevant?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. It right. Was made at a time that felt like in response to a very specific um, political and social climate in mm-hmm. Thailand at the time, or I would say in Bangkok at the time. Um, and so, 
yeah, I, did, I definitely had some concerns as well about like whether it's still relevant. But then I think Pupe talked to me some more about why she felt like it was mm-hmm. and the context in which um, she was presenting it as part of the Eyes Open series. Mm-hmm. Um, what did she say precisely? Do you remember? Um, the thing <laughs> that I remember her talking about was that she said there are the fact that we are still that we still find violence entertaining mm-hmm. is uh, is something that is still worth talking about mm. essentially it's still mm-hmm. universal um, i suppose yes. as yes. such yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and so that convinced you to yeah. revisit yes and how do you feel about it this time mm-hmm. um, i'm excited i mean i think that one of the things it's my first time being able to go back and work on a show mm-hmm. that i made before mm-hmm. um, and the main, I would say like the biggest change that is happening in it is that because it's moving from, it was in a very small, intimate space before, Mm -hmm. now it's going to be in a much larger space at BACC. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned from the first production was that I felt like I, um, the way that the audience was set up didn't really allow them to see themselves very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the first one, you were at, was it Crescent Moon Space at Brady Pinomion, which is uh, institute, which is extremely tiny it's like 30 people Mm, or something maximum um so that was the space and it was like in in conjunction it was a double bill with Mm -hmm. Tong, and Mm -hmm. both of them had the same theme on violence or something like that yeah it was looking at yes um at the, so at that time, it yeah. was in the original production, it was part of this double bill, yeah. um, and it was in this very small space, uh, and now it's going to be in a much larger yes. space. Um, and, but also, I felt like I wanted to find a way for the audience to be able to be more aware of each mm. other. Mm. Um, and so I, so part of the changes that are happening with this iteration of Dan mm-hmm. Shui is um, the sound designer who worked on the original production is uh, Nok. Ah, okay. Um, and she has um, she's actually been in the U.S. for a while now. Mm-hmm. Is now a U.S.-based theater mm-hmm. sound designer. Ah. Um, and the her partner um, is um, Devonte Johnson, mm-hmm. and he is a projection designer. Oh, cool. Um, and also and works on other kinds of design as well. Right. So I invited him to actually come to come and work on the set and uh, projection design for Damage Joy. Why did you decide to change the design direction of the of the show? Because before you were, it was like Tim Burton Yes. Um, the clown world, very mm-hmm. colorful, um, with Perron her own mead, yes. right? Um, so why did you decide to change the direction, this um, direction? I, uh, re- I was interested essentially, well actually I should start by saying that I went and spoke with Perone first oh, okay. and yes. asked him whether he <laughs> yes. would be interested in working on this show and he said that right now because he's um, working on, um, he's very involved in his art school. Right. Mm-hmm. So he said that he wasn't available to do this. Um, and so I went and spoke with uh, Devante and um, I think the main change mm-hmm. is that like the, the Tim Burton uh, clown world mm-hmm. aesthetic is mm-hmm. still there. Mm-hmm. But it was actually about like how can we transform the space to make it, to uh, for this show to still exist to exist in a larger space, mm-hmm. but also to move the audience, um, the audience configuration, mm-hmm. so that they, so that the audience can see themselves more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we have been working on. Ah, okay. 
that's that's what we can expect. Right. Interesting. And what other preparations did you did you do? And other, um, you know, apart from design and apart from what you said earlier about, um, what did you say earlier, um, the space? Mm-hmm. What are the other preparations? Because you said, you know, this is a new context now. You haven't been in, Tha- you haven't been living in Thailand mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, what does that mean for you now? What does the show mean for you now? I think that it's actually, in a way, I went back and watched it um, mm-hmm. and thought about it some more and about what it was doing. And I think that this question of that, in fact, like the questions that created the show still exist, even though mm-hmm. the context has changed, um, or I would say like the climate has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the main preparation that I did was actually in sort of in rewatching the show and then thinking some more about how... Um, more structurally about how to build, Mm. how to um, keep the build of the show going. Mm. Um, Because once, essentially it's like this, most of the scenes are going to stay the same. There's going to be one that will be totally different. Um, But essentially it is like 70% of the show, of the original show is the same. Mm. But I think that it will feel different Mm. because it's in a different space. Right. Um, and so I think thinking um, in order to decide like what the space needs to be in order to support the story, mm-hmm. I think that was probably the most uh, um, preparation that I was doing, which is just like thinking about like how to adjust things mm-hmm. in a way that was still going to keep um, keep the essence of the original, mm-hmm. um, but also make it available um, to more. Uh, to a bigger to a bigger space and mm. to a different audience configuration. Right. Okay, let's go back a bit <laughs> to your like background and passion in theater. How did you become interested in theater? Um, I think I because I grew up moving around. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been so, in so many countries, right? Yes. Um, and I think that probably the the reason why I first fell in love with theater was mm-hmm. because. Um, it was a way for me, I found that when I was working on a theater show, it was even from like the time that I was really little, like in first grade, <laughs> through to, you know, um, in middle school and then in high school, that that was a way for me to feel like part of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as somebody that moved around a lot um, mm-hmm. and was always sort of like not really sure if I belonged mm-hmm. where I was, mm-hmm. um, that that was the thing that I found in theater. Um, which really hooked me. Mm. This idea that, like, when you're working on a show together, you become a part of a little family, mm. um, mm-hmm. and you immediately have, um, yeah, you have a community of people that you're that you're working together with towards a specific goal, mm. um, which is really fun. And I think that was really what hooked me into theater in the first place. But I started mm-hmm. out actually uh, being more interested in performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't start directing. My the first time I ever directed was in high school. Oh, um, what did you direct? Do you I remember? Directed, yes, it was a devised show. Actually, oh cool, already. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that that was the word for it. At the time. It was, it was, um, it was in high school. It was mm. for my my senior project. Oh. Um, and I adapted a short story about. This is a short story from a magazine, I think, like a teen magazine mm. that I had read. Oh. Um, about a girl who decides to leave her boyfriend um, because she wants to go to fashion school. Okay. Um, so I think it doesn't sound very interesting, but I think at the time I was interested in 
I liked the story of the girl. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, like the way in which um, this you how I was reading the story just about like the different way in, in which you learn about her mm-hmm. and about the relationship with the boy and then about her deciding that actually she wants to get out of this town mm-hmm. um, and go and follow her dream. That was the first time. And what I remember about that, like very specifically, mm. was just because it was my first time directing, mm-hmm. was just this sudden like feeling of like deep satisfaction. Mm. Um, and I think it came from the fact that I was, I felt very exciting to be able to talk to everyone. Mm. So talk to the actors and talk to the producer and talk to the technicians. And I really liked that part. I was mm. like, oh, I'm actually like in control of everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really, it, I just remember it being like an extremely like amazing feeling and very satisfying feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as an actor, I had always, I think I had enjoyed, um, you know, being able to perform, but I always had, like, in the back of my head or, like, this critical voice that Mm -hmm. was, like, looking down at me and being like, what are you doing? Like, maybe you should go over there or do this. Like, I don't don't really have much of a memory of being, like, being able to, like, lose myself in a row or all... Mm. or to feel like super comfortable on stage Mm -hmm. um and although i would say that that actually came later more in like movement that i was doing right um but yeah i i just remember thinking that you know when i was directing there was like a strange um sense of groundedness that Mm. i felt that just felt like this feels right like i'm not i don't i'm not worried about whether i'm doing uh the right thing or not Mm -hmm. i'm just like following my instincts I felt like really very much like in the moment right mm-hmm. and when did you de- turn it into like professional um it took a while so uh, <laughs> that was the first first taste in high school yeah. um and then when I started my undergrad so mm-hmm. I went to um so I finished my high school years in uh Switzerland mm-hmm. I went to the U.S. Mm-hmm. um I went to um actually the same undergrad as your sister yes uh, so Sarah Lawrence College uh, yes we never met while I was there because we were four years apart ah, okay so I graduated and then she started <laughs> and Sarah Lawrence is in New York but not New York City it's a bit outside of New York yes, City which in, what was it's, the, what's the town yes mm-hmm. it's, about, it's 45 minutes north of New York City mm-hmm. Um, and it's a liberal arts college, mm-hmm. so you don't actually have to decide what you're going to study mm. when you're there. You just, at the end of four years there, you have a liberal arts degree, and yeah. that's it. Um, but the point of Sarah Lauren, or like one of the things about it, is that it's really about encouraging you to explore mm. di- a lot of different avenues um, mm-hmm. of knowledge. And I think that when I first started, I wasn't totally committed to being a theater artist. I oh, had okay. a lot of other interests mm. um, at the time, and I was sort of like, I don't know. Um, and it was really not until... What were they? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that I was I was interested in writing mm-hmm. also. Like uh, fiction? Like fiction ah, okay. Because mm-hmm. I was like books or I, I mm-hmm. would say probably just like storytelling. Right. Um, and was it was it that was not something that I had explored very mm-hmm. much. Um, and so I wanted to try that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took all kinds of things. I took like psychology. Yeah. Um, and um, but also like humanities and political mm-hmm. science classes. Ah, cool. Um, and what I remember actually very and theater. So mm-hmm. did, like all those things. Mm. Um, but I also remember that. When I first started out, um, and I saw the the theater kids, like mm-hmm. the people who were studying theater, I was a little sort of like not 
excited about them. Oh, they just how kind! Like very exuberant and showy. Oh. Um, Broadway. Yes. <laughs> and that was not the. Those were not really like the kinds of people that I wanted to be mm. hanging out with. And Ooh. So, yeah. So like, mm. snobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a little bit too. I don't know. They were just like I. Actually, I think it was because I felt like they were always performing. Ah, okay. Um, and that was something that I was just like, I don't. That's like not. I'm not a theater kid. Mm. Yeah. Or are you? <laughs> um, I'm not somebody who is always performing. <laughs> um, but so yeah, it took a. So actually, my first year there, I didn't take any theater at all. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. I've been doing it so like very intensively in high school, mm. and I felt like I just needed a break. Mm. Um, and then, but I came back to it, um, and then started taking some theater classes there. Um, so. By the time it was, I was about to start my senior year. I had to decide, or I felt like I had to decide, uh, what direction I was going to go in. So right. I, and it actually felt by that point, I was like, well, there's sort of two things that I'm interested in. I actually really love theater and directing, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like I also, because of my background and my interests as well, um, might do well in like international relations. Oh. Interesting. I should do uh-huh. that. So actually, like follow in my father's footsteps. Oh, work okay. As a diplomat or uh-huh. with the UN. Right. Um, and I remember this conversation that I had with my parents that summer before I was going to start my senior year and mm-hmm. decide which classes I was going to take. Um, and I was talking about these choices that I had, and it was really amazing because I think at the time. I knew, I felt like I loved theater, but I wasn't confident about following that path because Mm -hmm. it felt sort of frivolous Mm -hmm. um, and selfish, actually, where I was like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't benefit anyone in particular, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if I go and, like, work for the UN or for a nonprofit organization that will, like, you know, sort of be able to measure more specifically, like, how the usefulness of that work. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I just remember that, my dad said to me, he said, you know, the thing is, is that if you're interested, if what you're really interested in mm. is affecting people mm. and you want to create change in the world, that actually listening to a pop song on the radio mm-hmm. can do more to change people's perspectives mm-hmm. um, than policy from a non-government organization. All right. um, Did you believe that right away? I mean, I think it's because it was just like thinking about, you know, what it means to create, how do you create change in people or like, Mm. you know, Mm. the ability for people to change their mind or change their behavior. Um, And I was like, that's true that actually like I have listened to pop songs that have made (laughs) me like see things in a different Mm. way or to feel things differently. Um, And I just and so I think that actually gave me like the confidence Mm. to say, okay then I will follow theater. Oh, okay. Um, and so in my final year, I took a lot of theater classes, and mm-hmm. I knew that that was the path that I wanted to follow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And right after, did you come back to Bangkok right away, or what did you do well, before I that? I spent um, two years in New York. Okay. Outdoors, and I actually did not have plans to go to come to Thailand. Oh, okay. Um, I had spent some time in Thailand uh, my junior year, mm-hmm. um, and... That was really the first time that I had come back to Thailand and spent mm. like an extended amount of time. Your mother's th- uh, just so everyone knows. Um, mm. Your mother's Thai. No, yes, my your, mother is Thai, and, and your my dad is American. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Um, and but because I grew up moving around, mm-hmm. I didn't actually uh, live in either Thailand or the U.S. I would just go back and visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in college in the U.S. was really my first time also like living, learning what it was like to be an American, right? Um, <laughs> and specifically, actually, an Asian American as well, right? Um, and I felt like at the time um, I wanted to. Uh, in my junior year, I went to Thailand, and was it part of like a was it like a semester abroad, or was it more like know, a summer thing? It's kind of a a little bit of a long winded story. <laughs> I, because I went to international school, mm-hmm. um, we my high school uh, diploma was um, an international baccalaureate, mm. and my college gave me a year's worth of credit for it. So ah, okay. They essentially, told me that. You don't have to do four years of oh, that's nice. college. You only have to do three. Right. But I panicked and was like, wait, 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 but I want to do four. Like, I, I don't want to finish early. Why would I want to do that? Um, adulting so, early. Yeah, adulting too early. Why that? Um, so I negotiated with my parents. Oh. And I said, okay, well... Instead of paying for a year of college, will you pay for a gap year for me inside Mm -hmm. of this college time? Um, And your third year of college in the U.S. is typically a time uh, in undergrad that people do, like, study abroad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to... So I chose that year because then I knew I'd still be on the same schedule as my friends and Mm -hmm. graduate at the same time as them. So that's what I did, actually. So my junior... My third year, I took a gap year. Ah, okay. Um, And... During that time is when I came to Thailand um, and spent, I actually spent four months in uh, New York first, Mm -hmm. um, interning at a theater company. Which one do you remember? Um, Yeah, it was called Dixon Place. Okay, never heard Um, of it. It's a a small experimental theater company. Oh, cool. But they're really fantastic in terms of like nurturing new work and new artists. Um, And Blue Man Group actually. Oh, cool. And what did you do there as an I intern? Was, I was a technical intern, which oh. was kind of amazing because they taught me how to do that. So I would wear, you know, like all black, wear all black and my overalls. <laughs> and it was my I was in charge of like taking care of the space mm. um, and fixing everything, which was not something that I knew how to do before. But, yeah. You know, they were like, here's a wrench and here's how you do it. And this is how you turn on the light board. And mm, so cool. what was amazing about it was that it was, I mean, it was a set of skills that I was interested in acquiring, mm-hmm. although I have since like only <laughs> remembered some of them. Oh. <laughs> um, but also it was that like I got to see all of the artists who mm-hmm. were coming in and presenting mm-hmm. work at that space mm-hmm. and talking to them and seeing their work. Um, and so that was really illuminating and useful. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of thinking about like, ooh, I like this, or mm, I don't like this, I want to be like that, I don't want to do that. Um, and then uh, after that, I went to Thailand, mm-hmm. and that was really like my first time spending a longer period of time in Thailand. Mm. Um, and Did you have plans what you wanted to do in mm-hmm. Thailand? Or? I, uh, yes, I mean, essentially it was that I wanted to, I wanted to improve my Thai, mm. um, and then I also, I just... Did I want to do? I think I just wanted to live and work mm. in Thailand, right? Just like have a taste of what that would be like, mm-hmm. um, because my all my previous experience had been just traveling with, being on a holiday with mm-hmm. my family, which is a very different kind of way of being in a place, right? Um, yeah, and so at the time, I did spend like some time on holiday with my family first, and then. <laughs> um, 
And then I was actually in Phuket. Oh. Because we, we thought that my family was like, okay, this will be like a soft entry into, <laughs> into spending time in Thailand. So um, I stayed with some family friends and uh-huh. I interned um, at the Phuket Gazette. Oh, oh the newspaper. The newspaper. <laughs> wow. Um, so I worked there. Um, what did you do? I reported. I was oh, cool. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> um, and I didn't know you had uh, you had a journalistic background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that. So I was there for two months, mm. um, and then after that, I went to um, my um, the province where my mom is from in Suratani. Ah, okay. Um, and went to the capital there, uh-huh. or the, like the main town. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I got a job as an assistant English teacher. That's so Whoa. cool. <laughs> um, at the English program of a Thai school. Mm. Um, and so I worked there for four months. Cool. Um, and yeah, so that was my first time really spending an extended period of time. Right. And, um, and so when I came, so that was my, before my final year. Right. Um, so by the time I finished, um, I... That experience had just like taught me enough to know that okay, actually, I I need to go back to Thailand at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know when, mm-hmm. um, but it needs to happen as part of I guess like for me to help um, complete my understanding of myself as a Thai mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. Uh, which was something that I wanted to have. Um, and but when I graduated, I was not thinking about that. I mean, mm-hmm. I just thought I. I'm going to be in New York and I want to start like trying to work as a theater artist and Mm -hmm. see how that goes. Um, So I, because I knew that the kind of theater that I wanted to do was not going to earn any money. (laughs) um, And I, the first decision that I made was I'm not going to try and get a job doing theater. Mm. I'm going to get a job to support myself, and mm-hmm. then I will do theater on the side. What was that job? Fact, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, the job was, I started out, um, I actually started interning first, and then I got a job. And the interning is how I came to meet Pita and Pete. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh-huh. in New York. In New York. Ah, wow. okay. Um, so I was interning at a uh, at an Asian American theater company called mm-hmm. the Mayi Theater Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were putting on a festival mm-hmm. that was called Performing Ethnicity. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. <laughs> this was in 2000. This was in 2000. It's, oh, uh, 2000. No, 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 wait. No. 2004. Right. 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting how the language has changed. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see how that would, yeah, <laughs> that would be weird now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but so it was it was a conference um, and it was also like a scholar, mm-hmm. um, like a conference for scholars and for artists. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, Pita and from B Floor, that's whom you yes. met. <laughs> yes. So they were collaborating with um, a, a, an American theater company called the International Wow Company. Oh, yes. Um, that was presenting a work there. And mm-hmm. so... I had never heard of either International Wow Company um, or B Floor, and mm-hmm. actually B Floor wasn't even mentioned. I think yeah, they at that just, time they were using Wow mm-hmm. Company mm-hmm. name. Yes. Yeah, they were under that name. Mm. Yes, <laughs> or they were being they were like guest artists with International right. Wow Company. Right. Mm-hmm. But I saw on the list that oh my god, there's going to be a performance that has Thai artists in it, mm-hmm. and this theater company, the International Wow Company, collaborates often with Thai artists. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I. Um, 
went to, I, so I was, I was interning at the conference, or interning at the theater company that was presenting this. Mm-hmm. I went to the first show um, that was, like, uh, presenting just, like, uh, like, a preview of the whole performance mm-hmm. that this theater company, International Wild Company, was doing. I met the director, and I went up to him and I was like, hi, I'm Ty. I'm mm-hmm. really excited about the work that you're doing. Um, and we talked a little bit, and he said, oh, do you speak Thai? And I said, yes. And he said, <laughs> well, I actually need some help because um, we have subtitles in this mm-hmm. show. Like, the Thai artists are going to be speaking mm-hmm. Thai, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking for somebody to help with that. Aww. And I was like, great, um, yeah, because I would definitely like to assist you in any way. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, you can come and be the assistant director. Right, oh. <laughs> so I went and worked on that show, and that was the first time that I met mm-hmm. uh, Pita and Pihani, mm-hmm. and actually Pita. Bandit, oh, yes, <laughs> um, was there and two other actors um, from Chiang Mai. Mm. Um, and so it was an amazing experience because I had never met Thai actors before. Mm. Um, and these are excellent Thai actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really excited about it. Um, I was also very shy mm-hmm. and my Thai was not very good. So right. I didn't speak to them very much. I mean, I was there, I was working on it, but I was just I felt like a sort of like wallflower in the background. <laughs> um, and at the end of the experience, I sort of didn't dare to say like, okay, so let's keep in touch. And like, it wasn't that we were like very good friends or anything. Right. Um, I was just sort of the young girl working in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get their contact information. Mm. Um, but when I came to Bangkok, um, I... Uh, eventually ran into Pita oh, and that was um, so that was my so I met them first in New York and mm-hmm. then found them again when mm-hmm. I came to Bangkok. Did mm-hmm. you decide at that point like oh, you know when you met them again in Bangkok? Did mm-hmm. you had you already decided by then that you were going to be based in Bangkok for a bit or try to be an artist in so Bangkok for a bit? Or what had happened was that I um, so after graduating from undergrad, mm-hmm. um, I was working in. Uh, in New York mm-hmm. and after about like the second year of being there mm-hmm. I started to feel like I'm really excited about being in New York um, and actually I love it mm-hmm. um, and I started to, and but the idea of going going to Thailand um, had been in the back of my mind since um, a couple years mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. That I've been there um, and it had, actually had been like strengthened by the idea that I saw Pita and mm-hmm. Pihanye and I was mm-hmm. like oh wow so not only do I want to go back to Thailand to spend time trying to understand what it means to be a Thai person? Mm. But also there are some there's some interesting theater going on there mm-hmm. too. There must be, um, and but it was actually it was a weird a strange decision in the sense where it was like I felt like I love New York so much mm-hmm. I better leave now mm. before it becomes <laughs> like too difficult. Right. Um, because I was just like two years after undergrad, I was just starting to see how it was going to be possible for me to keep on working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, you know, if I don't leave now, every year will only get harder. Only right. Every year will only feel like, oh, uh, I will lose momentum or, you know, something else. And also, at that time, I was um, almost, I was 24. Mm-hmm. And I knew from my previous experience of being <laughs> in Thailand that, if I if I waited too long, or I think this was just my fear as well, that if I just waited too long to go back to Thailand or to try and spend some time there, 
and I arrived as a 30-year-old, as opposed to somebody in my mid-20s, mm-hmm. that people's expectations mm-hmm. of me and my behavior would be very different. Mm-hmm. And then if I went as a younger person, as uh, somebody in my mid-20s, people mm-hmm. would be more forgiving about <laughs> 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 that I didn't know. Um, and so I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta go now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but my initial thought was that I would only be in Bangkok for maybe like two years. Oh, okay. D- mm-hmm. Did you did you have a plan then? Really, like, I'll try to become a director or. Oh, I actually had not. I had no intention to do any theater work. Wow. In okay. Thailand. Mm-hmm. I really came because I thought I want to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. I want to live and work in Thailand so that I can understand what it means. And to you be didn't even know person. then what kind of work or anything. It was just no. like. <laughs> um. I just um showed up. Mm. Um, and <laughs> yep. And. I mean, I think I w- that was made possible by the fact that I have I come my mom's family is very large here okay. in Bangkok, and mm-hmm. so I knew that there was going to be like a cushion that would right. be able to like at least like a place to stay, <laughs> um, and people who would like support me while I tried to find a job. Right. Um, yeah. And before you've seen Ping and Pijav's work back in the States, have you have you ever seen like Thai performance art before, like contemporary ones? I only saw, I saw one show mm-hmm. at Patavadi oh, okay. when I came when mm-hmm. I was here in I guess it would have been in two thousand and three, two thousand three, when I went to go see. And it do you remember um, like how was the art scene back then? Is it vibrant or just? I I had no connection to it Mm, Um, Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because even now I'm uh, staying with my relatives again Um, and I think it's sort of you know they are very typical middle class Thai family Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. sense that their knowledge of um, of the arts is like not really something that's on their radar Mm -hmm. that when they think about trying to relax or to have a good time like maybe go to the movies, mm, but mostly go out mm-hmm. to dinner, mm-hmm. um, or maybe go to like a big like sound and light show, mm-hmm. um, or something like th- like something that they have seen that's just um, they're I think not in not particularly connected to like what is like I don't know like visual art mm. or theater arts or like dance or anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because my all my experience before that had been with them, I had no. And right. I didn't have Thai friends. Oh. Right. <laughs> no, no way for me to know. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the, um, when you started working with B Floor, what was that like to to be part of B Floor and then to create your own work? Did it take long for you to feel like I'm an artist now, mm-hmm. or what, did it come as a, as a surprise? Like, oh wow, I'm I'm directing. I guess I'm an artist, mm-hmm. or you know, I'm creating work. I guess I'm an artist. Uh, can you talk about that a bit, like yeah. being b- with B-Floor and how it's shaped you as an artist? I think that um, I knew I had I knew that I wanted to be a director mm-hmm. um, for I guess like since at the end of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it was it took a while before I stopped saying I'm trying to be a director. Ah, okay. Even after um, uh, the first show in Bangkok was which was begin again, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I'm not, I actually don't remember, like, when that transition happened, <laughs> actually. Right. When I decided, like, no, I just am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a big, it's a big deal for young theater artists, actually. Um, both, uh, I think, in any discipline. Like, the time that it takes you 
between the space between like knowing what you want um, and who you are as an artist mm-hmm. and then being able to just state that that is who you are mm-hmm. um, versus like I'm that's what I'm going for and that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess my journey with B-Floor was um, one in which I remember feeling the, the first show production that I worked on um, was um, Pendant Un, The Other Land. Oh, okay. So you were um, a performer there? or No, I was the assistant director. So oh, okay. Speaking of, like, you know, going for what you want, I, right. went, I, um, I met Pita and Pita Nye and then started talking to them about mm-hmm. wanting to work with them. Right. Um, and then um, I had the opportunity with um, with the other land, mm-hmm. and I just said like I want to be the assistant right. director. Right. Oh, okay. Directed. That was directed by Kangye. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then, um, so that was the first time that I worked with them, and I remember just thinking like the way in which they make work is mm-hmm. exactly the way that I want to be making work. Which is. Which is in this like devised movement based mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very that's ensemble based mm-hmm. and it's collaborative, mm-hmm. um, and I was really relieved and happy to find that right um, because that was something that I had that I had been doing mm-hmm. in, that I did in high school that I tried to do in undergrad but found like quite difficult mm-hmm. um, because that was not the kind of work that other people were interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it was really exciting to be mm-hmm. able to work with them and to feel like. We speak the same language, right. we have the same sort of like aesthetic impulses, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, and so I think that then as I continued to work with them, um, it has always been an experience of just feeling like um, I th- think the group is one in which that is interested in constantly learning more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started out when I was working with B-Floor was actually just, like, doing a lot of um, assistant directing mm-hmm. work. So I assisted um, Pitanye mm-hmm. and then Pidao. Mm-hmm. Um, Which production did you assist uh, her Something in? else. Oh, okay, yes, I remember. Yeah. And I was really, at that time, not trying to be a performer. Like, I was really right. just, like, mm-hmm. on track to mm-hmm. be a director. Mm-hmm. But I thought, like, let me start by just, like, observing mm-hmm. and seeing how these people are working and learning from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, so then I came to my production mm-hmm. um, for Begin Again, and I think that... That was which year, 2000? In 2009. Oh, okay. And I had directed um, two, or I guess like three shows in New York before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and But this was my first time directing in Thailand. Mm. Um, and that was definitely, um, I think, was unexpected in the sense that there are things that I knew that I, or like different practices that I had brought with me that I wanted, that I wanted to do. Um, and some of them worked and some of them really didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the way that, um, which I guess is really just like cultural. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting because it's like my objectives are usually always to try and make the company feel, um, meaning like the group of people that I'm working with, mm-hmm. um, feel like relaxed and being, uh, and able to like, uh, enjoy the process and mm-hmm. also to feel like really valued as a member mm-hmm. of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way in which you do that, I think, like with Thai um, theater artists versus with American theater mm-hmm. artists, is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Right. 
um, which I know now very well at the time. <laughs> um, when I, it sort of, I still ran into a couple of walls mm-hmm. when I was doing that. And how was it to be based here in yeah. Thailand as an artist this time? This time? Oh, this time? And then back, back, back then. then. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it was, I mean, I was really, I was so happy to be with B-Floor. Mm-hmm. I just, I ended up because, and I, and because I was so happy, I stayed for eight years. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it that long? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I, was, I, I intended to only be, um, to only stay in Bangkok for two years or uh-huh. so. Wow. Right. What I <laughs> so six more years. Yeah. yeah. Because I, you know, felt like I, got, I have to get back to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do what, did you think? Like, I had to get back there because, or... I think it was just because that, what I felt then, and actually what I feel now as well, is that it was just, it was a place where I felt, like, totally uh, at home. And yourself. Um, and in myself and happy. Mm. Okay. Um, and for somebody who has moved around a lot and has felt right. like a stranger a lot of the times, or, you know, sort of, like, not really sure if they belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that I felt a sense of belonging in New York. More than even in Thailand, where you Definitely. lived for eight years. Because <laughs> in, in New York, you were there for six, right, before mm-hmm. you, and then here, eight mm. years. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, so why do you want to do a master's? Mm-hmm. Indirecting, because a lot of people might say that's really expensive. Um, Why don't you just go keep directing? Mm -hmm. You know, why did you want to go back to? Mm -hmm. Why do you go back? Why did you want to go back to school for a for for this particular program? You know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I thought about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Actually, from the time that I had finished undergrad, Mm -hmm. um, I had been thinking like. I wonder if I should go to grad school mm. um, for directing <laughs> um, because I felt that my training up until then had not been very specific. Mm. Like it had been sort of like all over the place. Mm. Um, and I felt like the directing that I was doing was essentially learned through trial and error. Right. Mm. Um, so you felt a bit directionless or do you feel like you didn't have a good strong base? or? I mean, I think at the time I just felt like I was inventing it as I went mm-hmm. and I was okay with doing that. But mm-hmm. I also felt like, you know, there's other knowledge out there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it would be good to get some training. Right. <laughs> but for a long time, I could not reconcile mm. the idea that I wanted to make you know, experimental theater that was not going to be uh, commercially produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, why would I go and pay a huge amount of money to, get, to become a specialist in mm-hmm. making poor theater? Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Does not make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just sort of kept delaying it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of calling yourself a director, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, I am a dir- like, I love directing. Mm-hmm. I am a director, but I only know how to direct one thing. Mm. I only know how to direct like this kind of work, mm. right. which I love, mm-hmm. um, but I don't really know how to do anything else. Mm. Like Shakespeare, um, com- Shakespeare production or... Yeah. And I thought, if someone ever hands me a play and says, like, can you direct this? I would say, sure. You know, and I, I would do exactly what I... I would just trial and error, you know, I would just right. it mm. and just use the skills that I have to mm-hmm. try and figure it out. But I started to feel like I just... I think just hungry for more technique. And so that was it, actually, mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I, I'm ready now. I really want to know more. What's the program like? You went to Columbia University. What was the program called? 
Um, it's a master's degree in theater directing. Okay, mm. so what was it like to be? Was it what you expected? Was it like were there times when you're like, I don't think I can do this anymore, or was it like, wow, this is nonstop excitement and and thrill and thrillingness and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, there were. Th- There are a lot of different kinds of theater directing master's degrees programs. Oh, okay, in Col- um, in just in, in the America. U.S. Okay, was <laughs> <laughs> like at Columbia. Um, oh, no. in, in the U.S. Um, and I was very determined to mm. go to graduate school mm. when I applied. So I applied to I think seven different programs. Right. But the thing that um, I think is the standout for Columbia is that um, the head of the directing department is Anne Bogart. Oh, okay. Um, who is CT Company? Yeah, with CT Company. Right. Um, and is somebody who has um, really, I think, like shaped the uh, the kind of work that is done by devising artists mm-hmm. um, because of the viewpoints that right. she uses, uh, viewpoints and composition techniques. Um, and yet, I also, I think the other reason why it felt important to, or why I wanted to go to Columbia mm-hmm. and study um, with Anne Bogart was because I didn't want to, there were other theater programs that I wasn't sure how they were going to value the kind of experience that I mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. making the devised mm-hmm. um work that we had been doing with before um and here and at Columbia it was I felt that it was um that was something those were things that I could use Mm -hmm. and yet the work that I was being asked to make was was quite different Mm -hmm. um because it was primarily Mm text-based um and so this was also like the big thing that I was um both looking for and I think dreading Mm -hmm. in going to graduate school because Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I started doing device and movement-based work um, was because I found text-based plays incredibly boring mm-hmm. um, okay. in undergrad. Uh, um, and I just You mean directing it or reading it or everything? Everything. <laughs> everything about it was boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, actu- and when I say boring, it was because the stories that those plays were telling, mm-hmm. I just felt like didn't reflect uh, anything that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. It didn't reflect me as like the in terms of like the experience of the world that I had. Mm-hmm. So and I'm speaking specifically of like American plays, um, like so modern like, American classic, modern classic, contem- even contemporary, contemporary and classic. But I mean, right. even in Greek plays, I'm like, why do I mm. need to read about this person? <laughs> it seems so, it's like a soap opera. Mm. It's not interesting. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so. I, but what I discovered, um, so now on the other side of grad, of grad school, I am now really interested in directing new plays, mm. so text-based plays, right. and also classic work, right. which I had previously totally turned my nose up at and thought was like dead and boring. <laughs> um, and so, so that changed you, like going yeah. to Columbia change the way you look at these plays mm. or text work yes. text-based work yes. yeah so that's really. more interesting right yes wow <laughs> <laughs> very interesting wow okay. what mm. did you find were your strengths and weaknesses so weirdly um because i um <laughs> because of my time with before the thing that was my strength mm-hmm. was actually like spatial composition mm. um 
And although I would say that, and that's very Anne Bogart, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but as a member of Before, that was not something that I was known for being good at. Right. Actually. <laughs> oh, okay. So Interesting. In my theater company, they're like, "Well, Nana's okay at this." Um, <laughs> but once I was in graduate school, mm. they're like, "Oh my God, you're amazing!" Oh. You're so good. And I was like, if you only knew the other people that I work with, you could see their work. <laughs> yeah, but that was something that I hadn't thought about. Um, or hadn't really realized that, like, oh, I see that this is some, this is not something that I need to focus on because I actually already know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's super interesting is that I think all artists, I would assume, probably like worry about like whether their ideas are like interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because there are six directors in this program, mm-hmm. um, and there were times when we would be assigned the same scene, mm-hmm. and I would think like. I feel like I'm making like incredibly boring, simple choices, mm-hmm. you know. And then I would see that actually the choices that I was making were quite different mm-hmm. from the choices that my um, other classmates classmates yeah. were mm-hmm. making. And that helped me as well to see mm-hmm. that like, oh, actually, I do have like a point of view or right. a way of doing things <laughs> um, that is just specific. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that was really helpful as well. Mm-hmm. What's your weakness? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you well, forgot that. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> My weakness was text, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, was was it like finding the beat? Like, they always teach you, right? Like, the beats. Mm. The beats. Yes. I mean, it was that. It was also like um, making uh, one of the one of the things that I would get is that I um, that it was also just like not uh, you couldn't tell what the problem was. Mm. Like, there was like there was not enough like investment from the actors mm-hmm. um, in what they were doing, mm-hmm. and that was also something that, that I was struggling with in the sense mm-hmm. that I would be like I could tell that it wasn't going well mm. <laughs> on stage yeah. with the way that the actors were like dealing with the text, but mm-hmm. I did not know what to say to them mm-hmm. to get them to change what they were yeah. doing. After two years, did you become pretty confident or were you just like okay now this is going to be ter- even more terrifying going out there in new york um no so it was three of years. all cities yeah um, oh three years sorry yeah, it was, uh, three, but by the end of that um and now mm-hmm. uh i think throughout the time that i was there i felt like that's what i continue to wrestle with mm-hmm. um but i now feel like no i i know how to direct text <laughs> mm. now. oh that's good <laughs> You did an all-female Richard III. Yes. Was that your final project? That was my final project. Um, and earlier this year, you, did, you also directed an all-female cast, um, almost all-female cast of White Pearl in London, yes. right, at the Royal Court. And it was written by Australian, Thai Australian playwright who's very young. I was mm-hmm. surprised after I read the play, I was like, she's 25. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and truly Felicia King, Felicia mm-hmm. King, basically. Yeah. And that went really well. Um, the review in The Guardian by, mm. a, you know, a long time, very respected critic was like like four or five stars, mm-hmm. right? And they compared it to, he compared it to uh, Carol Churchill's um, mm-hmm. Top Girls, like, you know, another modern classic, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, for you, it seems like the women's issues have been become a major interest for you, right? Um, can you talk a bit about that? Like, how has your, how your interest in, in terms of issues shifted because in while in Thailand you begin again was like about change uh, beginning again Mm -hmm. um you know you talked about um like migrant workers Burmese migrant workers and also your own personal stories and all of that thing but now Mm -hmm. and then you talk about violence because of you know what was going on in Thailand at that time 
and announced Richard, all, all female Richard III and also White Pearl, which is about beauty standard and, mm-hmm. you know, and other, a, a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, can you talk about that, like the shift towards more uh, women-oriented issues, that kind of stuff? Yeah, actually, it's interesting because um, I have spent some time trying to trying to find for myself as mm-hmm. well, like, what is it that I'm really interested in? Is mm-hmm. there a through line mm-hmm. um, from, like, that goes through all of my work? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that actually there is, mm-hmm. um, and that that through line has to do with um, unsettling assumptions and mm-hmm. cultural assumptions. And mm-hmm. the thing is about... Like, a cultural assumption is going to change depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. So I think that when I was here in Thailand, um, when I think about, like, Begin Again and Damage Joy and um, Survival Games, Mm -hmm. um, and also, like, all of the work that I was doing, I can... What were you doing in Survival Games again? I was a co-director. Oh, okay, right. Right. Um, That there is always some sort of... There's an assumption or a series of assumptions that I was interested in Mm -hmm. trying to shift. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think similarly with the work that I'm doing now in the U.S., it be, I'm um, each production has like a certain amount of like assumptions that I'm interested in. Mm. Uh, it's not necessarily that I want to break them, mm. but it's that I think I think of them sometimes as like an assumption is an assumption because it's like buried. Right. You don't actually know that you have it, you because you assume it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like what I want to do is like make it more visible <laughs> to just right. like make it like pop up mm-hmm. so that you can say like oh actually I think this mm-hmm. um now that I know this what am I going to do about that right and so for example with Richard III mm-hmm. the assumption that I was interested in looking at just has to do with like women and Shakespeare mm-hmm. um and the idea that you know we think that Shakespeare is so universal right um and uh, and yet there are very Or we few, assume that Shakespeare is very universal. Or we assume <laughs> universal. Um, but actually it's incredibly male centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and the female characters, there are not very there are, first of all not very many like juicy female characters. Mm. Um, and then even if they are, the amount of time that they uh, have on stage, mm-hmm. the amount of lines that they have to say mm. versus the amount of time and lines that the men get to say mm-hmm. is like totally disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I was so, when I first started studying Shakespeare in grad school, I was really excited about it. It's like, mm. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's complicated. Um, it's really exciting. I told, I want to direct this, mm-hmm. but I also felt like, ugh, I don't want to have like a bunch of men on stage mm-hmm. and just talking about like problems that men have, mm-hmm. you know, it just felt like these are, um, I was interested in trying to explore the problems of the play mm-hmm. but I wanted them to be represented by different people mm. essentially or to see whether they could still they could be relevant mm. um, in the bodies of other people right um, and so in this case it was um, it was an all-female cast but we kept the gender of all of the characters oh so they would still be Richard the third is still Richard the third is still a man, man. Yes. yeah yeah ah, okay um, and so then I think what begins to happen is that like once you have like uh the gender of the cast as being all one Mm -hmm. um then you start to think i think a little bit more about like the ways in which like feminine Mm. characters and masculine characters are getting played Mm. um by these different people it sort of like creates like a disruption right in the way that you're looking at the character right you consider yourself i guess you consider yourself thai american is that correct um wasn't 
what does it mean to be a Thai American artist in Thailand and then a Thai American artist in the U.S. or the West or the world, you know, the rest of the world? Yeah, well, I'll start actually by talking about being Thai American in the U.S. and mm -hmm. in the rest of the world, <laughs> um, in the sense that, like, they're in particular, or I'll talk about it in the U.S. first, mm -hmm. um, so being a Thai American artist means that I'm also, I'm an Asian American artist. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not a white American artist, which mm -hmm. means that I'm a minority. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, I think, like, really shapes both, like, the things, um, the issues that I am interested in mm -hmm. and the ways in which I have access to things. So I feel mm -hmm. like I, um, there, I have um, an interest in, like, really trying to make um, the issues I think that are important to Asian Americans mm -hmm. um, and that they face there um, to become more visible in the mm -hmm. U.S. And mm -hmm. then I am also consequent. I think also because I am part of like a minority group, also have like uh, an allegiance to other minority groups mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a sense I think of feeling like I'm pushing against um, a larger sort of like white structure mm -hmm. um and and yet you're half white right so and yet I'm half white. what does that mean yeah it means I mean it's so interesting in the sense that like if I um it actually I don't know it means that like I think I sometimes think about this that like if I looked more white, mm -hmm. um, because there are also um, people of color who are called like white passing, yeah, yeah. Um, or if you've ever met anybody who is like of mixed heritage, and mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you look white. Do you feel um, like you're white passing? Because I am not white. You passing. don't think? So. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. um, or I that's mean, not how people perceived you at all. Like no. they say Asian right away, or do they kind of go, are you mixed? Or no, they definitely mm -hmm. say, most often it's you're Asian ah, right okay. away. Mm -hmm. um, and because from I a Thai, I'm not sure. <laughs> not that Thai. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about yeah. it. Like the opposite. Yeah. So in this sense, so in this context, mm -hmm. I, in this, in the U.S., I am viewed as an Asian. Mm -hmm. I am viewed as a minority. I am treated like a minority. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I experience all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, that's something that I am, like, pushing against. Mm -hmm. So even though I am half white, it doesn't, I'm not white enough. You know? All right. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that when you first, like, right after you graduated from Sarah Lawrence and working there for two years in New York, did you feel that then? Or do you feel it's more pronounced now no, and I always felt it. Mm -hmm. I think it was part of my uh, awakening as an American. Mm. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a minority. Right. And what is it? But now, do you feel like there's more because people have become more vocal on this issue of like, you know, bringing out uh, the voice of the minority of mm -hmm. minorities and all of that? Do you feel like now you've now there's more of an advantage or there's more opportun there are more opportunities in the U.S. For artists who are minorities, because it's become sort of like this is such a hot topic, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, like that we have to promote more. We need to bring out more voices that we haven't heard. I think there's more. There are non-white, but it's not that more awareness doesn't necessarily translate into more jobs. Mm -hmm. um, In terms, especially actors. But what about no, directors? Directors and, as well. Mm -hmm. Can you do you know? Can you name a single Asian American theater director? No, I can't. Exactly. Yeah. You can't either? Or no, mm. I can't. You can't. Yeah. You know. But oh, Nana Dakin. <laughs> but I mean, like, people who are, like, 
people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. would not, I mean, they probably wouldn't be able to even if they follow them anyway. Yeah, but yeah. even if they are in the theater industry, like mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. um, working Asian American theater directors, there are very few of them mm-hmm. who are there. Do you feel like it's also it's partly it's partly because Asian like usually they're seen as you know like even family wise they're like mm-hmm. what are you doing. What do you mean, artists? <laughs> you're, ne- you're never gonna eat. How you ha- now? I have to worry. You now I have to like pay for you to to work, or you know what I mean. Like I'm sure it's culturally too, right? Like I don't think they're Asians push their children to certain generations. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it's better now. Or yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also it's all a part of represent like a sort of ongoing process of representation. Mm-hmm. Right? Of the issue of like representation, of yeah. the issues of representation in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, if you never see yourself mm-hmm. or see anybody who looks like you right. doing a thing, they don't. You don't think you that you don't think that you can do it. That's possible for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's what it means for me to be a Thai American mm-hmm. in the yeah. U.S. In the U.S. <laughs> and Thai American in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Thai American in Thailand is very different because here I am. I am an Asian people among other Asians, so I don't mm-hmm. have that. Um, that feeling of being a minority, and in fact, I have like the privilege of right, being exactly. half white. Exactly. So it's like a plus as opposed to. Something. And even though your your Thai is not as you know, like you speak with an you speak Thai with an accent, that's mm-hmm. a plus here, not the other way around. <laughs> Usually, it's like if you don't know the language of that country that well, then you a lot of time it can be a minus. Not that mm-hmm. you know, in America, definitely, if you don't know English, then that's a minus. Yes. That's difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here in Thailand, like. Sometimes you can really get by without knowing Thai that well. Mm-hmm. It depends on what kind of job you have, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's seen as like a marker to be to speak to speak Thai with an accent that mm-hmm. shows that like you like essentially like a foreigner's accent is like a foreign like accent. A foreign accent <laughs> um, is considered like cute right. um, or desirable or like shows it essentially shows privilege. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Um, and so. And I guess Thailand embraces privilege, a certain kind of class privilege or like, yeah, socio socioeconomic privileges in different way, mm-hmm. in yes. a very different way than in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I think so. In that sense, I have nothing to fight against. I have, mm-hmm. I only have things on my side. It's easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> However, what I don't have on my side um, is actually the. Um, I mean, this is actually more from like a. Uh, personal psychological mm-hmm. perspective of mm-hmm. being like, I am never like fully comfortable here, so I mm. I, don't, I cannot communicate with the same ease mm-hmm. that I can in English, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I will always feel like I don't have quite enough information mm-hmm. or experience, um, mm. and so that's like, but that's something that I just like personally feel, mm. um, and that I feel like I have to play catch up all the time, mm-hmm. like working hard to try mm-hmm. and keep up and stay connected Mm -hmm. um but i think that in both spaces Mm -hmm. so both in the u.s and in thailand and because i am somebody who straddles these things um that what it means is about like being deeply invested Mm -hmm. in both uh in both cultures and Mm -hmm. societies right and wanting and caring very much Mm -hmm. about um how things are progressing and happening Mm -hmm. but and trying i think through my theater work to actually bring to light different issues that 
or different assumptions that I think are actually like holding us back mm-hmm. from certain things. Mm-hmm. So to circle all the way back to damaged joy, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one of the, I, be, I believe that one of the assumptions that Thai people have about themselves mm-hmm. is that they are not violent. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think that most Thai people, if you're like, are you, do you think you're a violent person? They'd be like, no. Or like <laughs> as, a, as a national identity, right? As like a national identity. Peaceful, smiley. Yeah, it's in the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that like Thai people love peace. Mm, right. Um, but when it comes to... To war, to yeah. <laughs> they're ready to fight. Yes. <laughs> ready for sacrifice, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I'm interested in damaged joy mm-hmm. and, you know, in, per- in terms of like damaged joy being performed in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um, that what that's about is about like giving us time and space mm-hmm. um, to actually sit with the fact that maybe we do like mm-hmm. uh, to see other people get hurt. Mm, and right. That's like quite fun. There's a project that you're currently doing in the U.S. that's very interesting and very like a, like a hopeful one for the Thai theater community is that um, the Thai Theater Foundation. Can you talk oh, about yes. it? Um, so I um, became the president of the board of directors for mm-hmm. the Thai Theater Foundation, mm-hmm. um, which is a foundation that's based in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, but that also has a counterpart in Thailand. Um, and the idea is that it is a group of Thai artists mm-hmm. who, are li- who are based in the U.S. now mm-hmm. um, who are interested in um, supporting the strength and the growth mm-hmm. of um, Thai contemporary theater. Mm-hmm. Um, through various programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, what's next after Damaged Joy? Um, so I have a couple uh, projects that are in development at the mm-hmm. moment, um, but I don't have another production that mm-hmm. is lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens. Okay. So in a way, what's next is hustling. <laughs> just like going back to New York mm-hmm. and just trying to make projects happen. Is that where you're going to be based now, from now yes. on, you think? Mm-hmm. Is that your home, basically? Yes. <laughs> the next little while. What does hustling mean for uh, directors, for emerging directors mm-hmm. in New York? It means, essentially, I mean, just all the stuff that you're doing uh, in order to try and, like, make a project happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that includes both, like, artistically mm-hmm. um, as well as, like, trying to figure out, like, where it's going to get produced, mm-hmm. um, how to get the attention of those producers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. It just means all the work that you do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... So I can tell you a little bit about what those projects are. Um, So one of them is a collaboration with with another writer that Mm -hmm. I met at Columbia University. And it's a project that is um, in its very early stages of development, but the the area of interest that we have is about apologies, Mm -hmm. about uh, what it means to apologize on both, like, a micro and a macro scale. Mm -hmm. So thinking about like micro apologies are apologies that happen between people, Mm -hmm. right? And so like, what does it mean to apologize to someone? What's a good apology? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do we feel like we need apologies? Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. how do you make them? Um, And then on a macro scale, looking at like, what does it mean to have like a national apology Mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. Um, And the ways in which like that tries to happen Mm -hmm. um and so i think this it's a piece that is um we're calling it like a theatrical essay Mm -hmm. this is another sort of like experimental Mm -hmm. piece um or a device piece that i'm working on in collaboration with a playwright Mm -hmm. um 
another piece that I'm working on is actually inspired by um, a show for, that was uh, originally created here in Bangkok, mm. uh, which is Interview. Oh, okay, um, yes, um, by Beth Wichiatama. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, when I, I loved that show. Yeah. Um, and were I, you part of it? I, I was not part okay. of it. Um, but I spoke to Best after uh, I had seen it. I was like, "This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love this show. It's so cool. Um, I would love to like make a show like this in mm-hmm. the U.S. Is that okay?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Sure, go ahead." Um, and I think the thing that I was really fascinated by was the structure, of right, it and the way in which it highlighted uh, what felt for me like the labor of Thai actresses, mm-hmm. uh, like what it means to like the work of a Thai actor mm-hmm. um, of like women, mm-hmm. um, and as well as their 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 art form, mm-hmm. um, their ability to transform and to perform the craft, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really interested in that piece of it. Um, and so I have adapted it. Oh, cool. And made a piece, which is now, instead of, so in the original piece, it uh, looked at, like, a lot of different kinds of monologues or mm-hmm. sources. Um, so this new piece is uh, only using Shakespeare. Right. Um, and uh, the, the text of Juliet from mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Mm. So this piece is called Juliet Gallops Apace. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and is so, and the text that is used is Juliet's text. Um, but the women that I'm interested in focusing on are actually like young black actresses. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and so talking to them, but it has the same similar format mm-hmm. in the sense that it's an inter, it's a live interview mm-hmm. and a performance of texts in between. That's cool. Um, but the idea is for the audience to actually have. Um, gain access and understanding into like what it means to be a young black actress. That's mm. cool. Very cool. Good yes. luck with those two. They sound amazing. <laughs> they sound really fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, lightning round. I guess you do you know how it works? Oh. No. Lightning round. You you're asked you know very quick questions. You ha- you're given you know two choices, mm-hmm. and you have to choose one. You can't say pass. You can't say neither. You can't say both. Okay. Okay. So okay. first one. Yeah, Go ahead. The first and. one is <laughs> as a director, which of these two actors would you like to work with in a play? Ali Wong and Aquafina. Aquafina. Tony Jaa or Jackie Chan? Tony Jaa. <laughs> Catherine Catherine Hepburn or Audrey Hepburn? Audrey Hepburn. Am Pachala Pa or Shampoo Araya? Do you know them? <laughs> the <time>. um, <laughs> Shampoo. Okay. Pradit Thong or Pichet Ganchun? Okay. Ah, second one, which of these plays would you prefer to direct? Oedipus Rex or Medea? Oedipus. Phantom of the Opera or Miss Saigon? Phantom of the Opera. Oh. <laughs> God of <laughs> Carnage or How I Learned to Drive? How I Learned to Drive. Equus or War Horse? Equus. Panlang Meg or Si Pandin? I don't know either of those very well. Right. But I will say Si Pandin. Okay, wow. that would be interesting for yeah. me. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Um, anything to um. So where can we follow you? Mm-hmm. When will Damage Joy? Where? When and where will Damage Joy be? So Damage Joy will be performed um, October sixteenth to twentieth mm-hmm. um, at uh, the Bangkok Art and Culture Center, fourth mm-hmm. floor studio, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and you can follow me on my website. Okay. So www.nanadakin.com. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, and then also, if you're interested in learning more about the Thai Theater Foundation mm-hmm. and the other programs that I could not remember, <laughs> um, you can easily look it up um, also at Thai Theater. I think it's thaitheater.com. 
or you can look it up on Facebook, Thai Theatre Foundation. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much uh, for coming here to speak yes. to us uh, this today. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, and good luck with everything. Yeah, thank <laughs> you very really much. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Bangkok Offstage is created, hosted, and edited by Gata Ketkan and Amitha Amranand. The intro and outro tracks are Quicksand by Wild Light and Probably Shunt by Jay Lang. This episode was recorded at Room 508 Studio.